Welcome, everybody, to another riveting episode of D&D. Now, of course, the last episode, um, I thought that my uh, co-host Angel would be back um, on the regular schedule, but, uh, well, that didn't really uh, pan out, so now it's just me, Jackson, doing the second part of the hiatus. Now, the first hiatus was... Um, well, let's see. What was, what was it about, anyway? Well, uh, it doesn't matter because... Uh, oh, yeah, it was about the movies. There you go. <laughs> Me and my memory. Uh, instead of movies, since we do both movies and D&D, &D, I decided that the second part of the hiatus was going to be about uh, Dungeons & Dragons. And um, today we're going to go over um, a few big monsters or boss fights that um, that are pretty well-known across uh, the indie lore and history. Uh, something simple, um, just something to kind of just fill you guys in with. So I thought it would be a, an interesting concept to try to go over. So, um, yeah, with that being said, that's, that's pretty much what, what I'm going to be covering today. Uh, it will be nice and quick for you guys, so you don't have to listen to me for, you know, another half hour like we usually make it, so... It'll be fine. So, let's get right into it. So the first... Uh, oh yeah, actually, before I actually start reading this, uh, I actually got this from The Gamer. So that's that's what uh, the, the website is, is The Gamer. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty popular website, so I'm sure many of you have heard of it. So I'll be reading some of their words and just kind of commenting on it. So the first monster that... Uh, might be familiar with you guys if you've um, listened to our actually our episode uh, three iconic monsters um, is the Tarrasque. Uh the big beefy dinosaur looking huge monstrosity uh, <laughs> yeah so that's that's the one so uh, here here it goes here um, the fear this fearsome monster has gone down in history as one of the toughest ever and it made its first uh, its first edition debut with a record-breaking 300 hit points and six attacks right out of the gate so this thing is terrible <laughs> like it's it's awful awful it's like a it, it is like a giant dinosaur with a bunch of like like huge spikes and like uh it's like um what would you say scales or whatever is is pretty much like as as thick as a dragon's or whatever it's really tough to get over. Um, it actually says here that although the although the Tarrasque doesn't have any breath or magic uh, magical attacks, it uh, it reflects spells like magic missiles, cones of cold, wand attacks, and the like back at the caster. So it's pretty much like a counterattack, except it's like their own spell. So it's yeah, yeah, it's just it's not really uh, the best thing to to mess with the Tarrasque just in general. And it also says here, uh, to add insult to injury, even after being killed, quote-unquote killed, it can come back to life unless a wish is used to keep it dead. So if you do end up, uh, quote-unquote, killing it, it's just going to come right back up. So, and nobody really wants an, an undead Tarrasque. That would be terrifying. Very, very scary. Very, very scary. <laughs> uh, we'll go on to the next one here. Um... I'll just read right from, like, what they said here. 
what happens to a lich after the centuries have decayed its body, but dark magic has only strengthened its power? A demi-lich is created. In uh, introduced as the boss for the famous killer dungeon Tomb of Horrors, the demi-lich is a floating jeweled skull and one of the most unfair D&D monsters ever created. Uh, each of the gems can suck out a soul, and even hearing the foul creature shriek could stop a heart. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's just really bad. Uh, yeah, just a floating, a floating jeweled skull. Is that just like a, just in general, like if you're like, oh yeah, it's just a floating uh, jeweled skull. It's like, eh, whatever. But then like, just like, um, and you hear it, and then it's just like, heart attack, pat. <laughs> It, yeah, so that's terrifying, and especially when it's all the jewel. I don't know if it's like if it's just the eyes have the jewels, um, or if the teeth have have uh, jewels, because that would be terrifying too. Because then you can like suck out a lot of souls all at once, <laughs> a big soul sucker. So that would be awful too. And I don't know really how to defeat it. Um, I think it's like you can only use like super rare and like like super rare yeah super rare items or yeah i don't know i'll, I'll have to get more into that but this is just kind of like a brief thing of like hey this is this is a powerful <laughs> boss fight so we're gonna go right to the next one called black pudding <laughs> yes we're gonna be talking about pudding today <laughs> yeah at first when i actually saw this i, I actually never heard of uh the black uh, black pudding so that was kind of interesting kind of like reminded me of like the oozes that someone might put in like a like a cave or something like that that's like a like, like a barrier but no no the black pudding's uh you know terrible too uh says here uh D, D is full of weird oozes slimes and molds that pose different dangers but even more than the gelatinous cube the black pudding is extremely deadly uh, this amorphous mass of mouths hits like a truck, eats through armor, and is immune to damage. Uh, attacks only cause it to split into two equally dangerous monsters. And it only has one weakness, fire. So, it's... Yeah, it's pretty much like a... Obviously, it's like a, it's a giant ooze. Um, and it kind of gets compared to the gelatinous cube, which is like the one that kind of like... Eats through armor and skin and all that stuff and makes it all... Yeah, all, yeah, you guys should probably know about the gelatinous cube by now. And this is kind of it, but it can separate into two. Uh, and it kind of actually reminds me of Venom from uh, Spider-Man. Like, the way that it acts, I guess. It's kind of like a... Mm, I wouldn't say like it's a virus, but it's just like it spreads. And even if you like try to damage it, like... Other than fires, just gonna keep going and going. So, yeah, I can see that why it would be a terrifying thing to go against. All right, so the next one, I'm sure so many people have seen it. Even if people aren't into D and D, this is the Beholders. Uh, these guys are the ones that um are pretty much like a one giant floating head with uh, one big eye uh, on the center with a uh, you know, a big, like, big pointy teeth, and uh, with a bunch of, like, eye stalks, you know, floating around, uh, pretty much on all sides of the head, and it's terrifying, <laughs> uh, 
and it's actually on the cover of the Monster Manual. So, if anybody wants to see like a good image, that's what it is. And I'm sure many people have, have seen it. Um, says here, uh, stats-wise, the Beholder is one of the most difficult monsters to take down the whole of D&D lore. They, though they only possess 189 hit points, they can create an anti-magic cone. Uh, they can also possess a fearsome bite and a number of attacks using their eye stocks. Yeah, so... <laughs> they're very... Uh, they're so hard to kill because you can't kill them with magic. And it's hard to get to them because of because of the eye stocks, I think, really. And the anti-magic cone. Because if you're trying to sneak up on it, you pretty much can because it has like you know like 10 15 eyes on it so and it's and it's terrible so and i think it, it can shoot like um beams uh beams of power from from the eye stocks too so not only does it have like advantage on like all like his whole oh man what's the word the fighting field pretty much the whole the, the seeing everything around him so yeah, he has that, and the stocks, and uh, yeah, it's it's bad. It's just a bad, bad fight. Oh, I messed up here. Ah, yes. Uh, this is actually this next one is um one of my favorite creatures. That it's not just in D and D, but just in general. It's called the Kraken. So many of us actually know the Kraken from the the good old famous parts of the Caribbean, where you know crushes ships like like a twig pretty much and it just pulls every everybody down to the to the depths of Davy Jones locker. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. So, and the Kraken is also terrible too in D&D. Awful, awful. <laughs> um like appearance-wise, um I think it kind of like differs for the the artist rendition pretty much. Um I always think of the Kraken kind of like uh, kind of like in like the parts of the Caribbean one, but it's also kind of like more like an octopus, uh, the head is more like the octopus, and then it has like a like a giant mouth full of big pointy teeth. It's like the reference out there, but yeah, I, I, that's kind of like my image of it. I always have that in, in my head. Um, it says here, um, krakens have been around since the beginning of time and are more like sea creature gods. They can control ocean currents and the weather near them on top of being of bearing fearsome stats. Um, though mostly aquatic, krakens can breathe outside of the water. Uh, but thankfully for most adventures, uh, most krakens are asleep, waiting to waiting, awaiting <laughs> a call to action. There you go. Yeah. So that's. Uh, oh yeah, and it also says here that it's pretty scary. Here is that um, Slar Krethel. A notable kraken enslaved a whole island chain using his insane spellcasting abilities. Uh, yeah, that's awful. I mean, just like a kraken, just without magic, even without like a decent intelligence, it's terrifying. Because it's like a like I think it's like a monstrous titan or something like that, a gigantic titan. And with I can see why it, it, it took over a whole island chain. If you got a, a, a spell casting Kraken, that's awful. Yeah. And finally, I know that you guys have... You're like, oh man, when's this guy going to stop talking? Jeez. We finally got to the last one. 
and this last one is called the Draco Lich, and it's both super cool and terrifying. <laughs> so it says here, what's more dangerous than a regular dragon? An undead one with no soul. Like regular liches, uh, dragons can go through the same rituals to become un undead beasts. They place their souls in phylacteries and gain tons of power, uh, including control over the undead. And players can't defeat it unless they take the phylactery to another dimension. So the only thing that can really defeat a Dracolich is pretty much banishing it to another dimension or realm, which is awful because then it's like, well, it's going to be over there too now. <laughs> and yeah, obviously, you know, I didn't really want to include like dragons as part of the list. I mean, obviously dragons are terrible. Well, I mean, they're, they're very hard to defeat, but there are so many other <laughs> monsters out there that are just as just as ter uh, just as hard to defeat and Draculiches is one of these so technically I did squeeze in a dragon <laughs> uh, it says here Draculiches can control undead creatures on top of whatever abilities they had uh, in life and uh, the dragon's soul could possess any deceased reptilian body so that's also pretty bad too <laughs> Uh, I don't really have the stats in front of me for a Dracolich, but I'm sure that it's, like, immensely, like, near impossible because it's Dracolich, so. <laughs> and I actually do like the image of a Dracolich. It's pretty much, like, the, the bones of a dragon, but, like, it has, like, whatever color you choose, and it just kind of, like, uh, what do you say? Whatever color, it's, like, inside, like, the rib cage or, like, the where, where the heart maybe would be. It, it's pretty cool, so. And uh, with that, actually, that's all I got <laughs> for today. Um, a little shorter episode, obviously, but it is what it is. So if you guys want to put those terrifying creatures into your story, good luck. <laughs> it's, it's very tricky, not just for the players, but for the DM as well. Um, but, yeah, that's the end of this episode. Um, so we actually uh, do have a, uh, a scheduled recording for the D&D, &D, for the movie review, and for our other podcast called Books and Baggins, where we, take, we read each chapter of Lord of the Rings, and then we compare it to the movie. So if you guys like Lord of the Rings, you should check it out. So that then way you pretty much don't have to technically read it. I mean, it would be awesome if you guys could read it, but if you don't want and you want the super, super brief summary of it, sure, <laughs> then listen to us. That'd be awesome. Um, if not, then eh, well, just keep listening to Drink and Dried, which is available on Anchor and Spotify and iTunes and, of course, our home base on CastBox. Um, there's also a Facebook group called Drink and Dried, and, um, I think that's it for, uh, social media-wise. It's kind of hard right now for me, especially, because, uh, I, I have so, so much on my plate, especially this month, so later, um, actually later this month, um, I'll be giving an update of how I'll be gone for a week, so we'll see... I'll, I'll probably just have to, like, actually wait two weeks to record the next episode. So, but with that, uh, just keep listening, you guys. That's We really appreciate all the, the listens. 
and just yeah, just just keep just keep listening and try to spread the word of uh, drink and ride. Kermit's out. Yahoo!